Psalm chapter 17. Psalm chapter 17. Psalm chapter 17. I'm going to read the entire chapter. It says, Hear the right, O Lord. Tend unto my cry. Give ear unto my prayer that goeth not out of feigned lips. Let my sentence come forth from thy presence. Let thine eyes behold the things that are equal. Thou hast proved mine heart. Thou hast visited me in the night. Thou hast tried me and shalt find nothing. I am purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. Concerning the works of men, by thy word of thy lips I have kept me from the paths of thy destroyer. Hold up my goings in thy paths, that my footsteps slip not. I have called upon thee, for thou wilt hear. O God, incline thine ear unto me, and hear my speech. Show thy marvelous loving kindness. O thou that savest by thy right hand them which put their trust in thee from those that rise up against them. Keep me as the apple of the eye. Hide me under the shadow of thy wings. From the wicked that oppress me, from my deadly enemies, who compass me about. They are enclosed in their own fat. With their mouth they speak proudly. They have now compassed me back in our compass, sorry, they have now compassed us in our steps. They have set their eyes bowing down to the earth, like as a lion that is greedy of his prey, and as it were a young lion lurking in secret places. Arise, O Lord, disappoint him, cast him down, deliver my soul from the wicked, which is thy sword. From men which are thy hand, O Lord, from men of the world which have their portion in this life, whose belly thou fillest with thy hid treasure, they are full of children, and leave the rest of their substance to their babes. As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. Title of the message tonight is simply prayer that is heard. Prayer that is heard. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege we have to open thy precious word. Thank you, Father, for uh, assembling your church, and I pray that you would speak to hearts and encourage us as we consider uh, this subject, prayer that is heard, uh, may we seek your face in a, in, a, uh, in a right and holy way that pleases thee, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as you talk to people from day to day, many people today presume that they pray in a way... Uh, you know, they desire without a real understanding of the Lord or any consideration of their own manner of living. Because they have obtained things they have desired and said prayers, they presume that God heard them. You know, this idea, of course, must stem from the belief that we are all of God's children after all, which is not true. We are the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Galatians 3 clearly tells us. It also contradicts real life. You cannot and would not ask of me things for your children. I mean, you can, you can, but you wouldn't. I mean, that would be kind of presumptuous, would it not? Well, 
Pastor, why don't you buy my children Christmas gifts? Although sometimes I see ads on Craigslist, you know, my children need Christmas gifts. Anyway, uh, you wouldn't ask of me, nor can you just on a whim get an audience with the president. You know, you wouldn't ask of things of people you really don't know. Yet people talk about praying to God, but they really don't know him. They really don't know him. But they talk like, you know, they talk about, oh, I pray to God every day. So as we think about a prayer that is heard, as we look at this psalm tonight, we'll look at several things, three things in particular. First of all, the, a, the position of prayer. The position of prayer. You know, prayer, real prayer requires fellowship, first of all, fellowship with the Lord. Uh, and I want to add a couple of things about that, about that fellowship. First of all, it requires honesty and sincerity. Notice verse 1. Hear the right, hear the right, O Lord. Attend unto my cry, give ear unto my prayer, that goeth not out of feigned lips. Now, we understand that if you're going to get an audience with God, <coughs> we must be his child. We must be a child of God. You know, we pray, in fact, Jesus told us in the model prayer, what's commonly called the Lord's Prayer, he said, say, ye, our Father, which art in heaven. He has to be our Father. We have to have a relationship with him. He has to be our Father. You know, Peter said in 1 Peter 1, 17, and if you call on the Father, assuming that God was their Father. So if you're going to call on him, he has to be your Father. In John 9, 31, after Jesus had healed the, I believe it was the blind man, even the Pharisees said, Now we know that God heareth not sinners. But if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. And of course, Jesus clearly defined what his, the will of the Father is, and the will of the Father is to believe on the Son whom he has sent, which makes you a child of God. So if we're going to, if we're going to have go to the Lord in prayer, if we want our prayer to be heard, we have to have a relationship with the Lord. We have to be his child. But we also have to be in fellowship with him. Uh, our sins confess. <coughs> Psalm 90, or Psalm 90, Psalm 66, 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. You know, the idea here is God will not give us a hearing. Sort of like a king. In the Old Testament times, as you think about the book of Esther, uh, you couldn't just walk into the king. Even his wife just couldn't walk into the king and ask anything she wanted. She was to be invited. She was not to go in unless invited. And so the idea here is the king or God will not allow us into his presence until this sin, what we may be regarding, is taken care of. So it requires sincerity that we be true and not feigned. And notice again the end of our verse says that goeth not out of feigned lips. The word feigned means just, you know, acting, putting on an act. That's what it means to feign. It's not to be fraudulent or deceitful. In fact, Psalm 5 and verse 6 uses the word deceit. It says, Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. The Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful. And that's the same word as the word feigned here in verse 1, deceitful man. So 
so it needs to be honestly, out of honesty and sincerity. Uh, secondly, we must be in agreement with God. If you notice in verse 2, he says, let my sentence come forth from thy presence. Now, consider that, that statement. Let my sentence come forth from thy presence. You know, our de- a, a, a sentence is a decision. It's like a judgment. You know, you know the, the, a judge may say, you know, I sentence you to. You know, it's his decision that he's, that's been handed down. And that's the idea of a sentence here, the act of deciding a case. And, and the, David said, my sentence comes forth from where? Thy presence. Thy presence. Which means that David is in agreement with God. In fact, if you read on the rest of that verse, let my sentence come forth from thy presence. Let thine eyes behold the things that are... What's that word? Equal. Equal. Just. In agreement with. Yet we should, we should desire, of course, we should desire to be in agreement with God. And we need, to, we need to pray in agreement with God or in the will of God. Look at James. There's a couple places here. James chapter 4 and verses 13 through 17. James 4. Verse 13 says, Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city, and continue there a year, and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings, all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth the good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So then we do, the idea is that we need to pray if the Lord will. And we need to pray in the will of God. In 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14, excuse me. 1 John chapter 5 verse 14 says, And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. So our prayers needs to be in accordance with or come from his presence to be in agreement with God's will. We ought never to pray for something that we know is contrary to the will of God. We ought not to ask it. We need to pray for those things that are equal. I remember a few years back, church member asked prayer for his father-in-law that he'd find a church. He was a former pastor. He didn't have a church. After the service, I said to him, didn't your father-in-law divorce? He said, yeah. I said, do you think he should be looking for a church? He said, probably not. I didn't pray for that. Because it's not the will of God. You see, we, need, we should be desire to be in agreement and pray in agreement with God. Uh, let thine eyes behold the things that are equal. The word behold there is the, has the idea of desiring is that God would behold 
but look at God is looking for men after his own heart. You know, as David, of course, David was the author of the psalm. David was a man after God's own heart, the Bible says. In other words, he, he, he endeavored to seek those things which God, which pleased the Lord. In Exodus 2.25, it says, God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. Again, in that case, they were, of course, they were crying out to the Lord. Uh, in 1 Samuel 111, when, when um, um, yeah, her name just went out the window. <sighs> Hannah, thank you. Hannah, having an intellectual overload there. Uh, when Hannah was praying for a child, you know, it, the Bible says, he, she said, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid. And we know that God did look. She poured out her soul unto the Lord. And God did look upon her and answered her prayer. Uh, Psalm 11, verse 4 says, The Lord is in his holy temple. The, the Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. See, God is beholding us or looking for us, looking for those that are in agreement with him. Of course, that has, the idea comes back to being in subjection to him. Psalm 14, verse 2, it says, The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that, that understand and did seek after God. So the Lord is looking for men and women, young people, who allow him to search their hearts and lives and put away sin that was just displeasing and seek after him. And, of course, Jeremiah 29, 13 says, And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your And so the position of prayer is, of course, honesty, sincerity, and we must be in agreement with God. We must be in agreement with God. So it requires fellowship. Secondly, it requests examination of our motives. Or you might say our secret thoughts. Notice verse 3. Thou hast proved mine heart. Thou hast visited me in the night. Thou hast tried me, and shalt find nothing. I am purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. He says, Thou hast proved my heart, and visited it in the night. You know, God does, God does examine our motives. Now, you and I, well, you and I can't examine motives. We, we're not thought police. We ought not to be thought police. But God knows our thoughts. He understands. He knows our motives. Psalm 139 verse 2 says, Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising, and thou understandest my thought afar off. In fact, 1 Corinthians 13, 5, speaking about us, says, You know, that charity doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. And again, the idea is they're jumping to conclusions or evil conclusions Based on thoughts. You know, some, we have to take people for what they say. We should take people for what they say, not what, they, not what we think they meant. You know, isn't that what, isn't that the rationale of new versions? 
we think God meant. And so they changed the scriptures to suit their own ideas. Of course, you know, they, they, they admit they're translating out thoughts and ideas. So they're really thought police, thinking they know what God meant when he said. Why not just take what he said? You know, uh, but God does, again, God does examine our motives. You, you and I, thinking evil of one another, can cause suspicion, tension, war. In fact, we have an example of that in 1 Samuel chapter 10. 1 Samuel chapter 10 and uh, verses 1 through 4. 1 Samuel 10, 1 through 4. I think it must be 2 Samuel. <laughs> That's not right. Oh, yeah, 2 Samuel, I'm sorry. 2 Samuel chapter 10. It says, It came to pass after this that the king of the children of Ammon died, and Hanan his son reigned in his stead. Then said David, I will show kindness unto Hanan, the son of Nash, as his father showed kindness unto me. And David sent to comfort him by the hand of his servants for his father. And David's servants came into the land of the children of Ammon. And the princes of the children of Ammon said unto Hanan their, their lord, Thinkest thou that David doth honor thy father? Notice words, thinkest thou. That he hath sent comforters unto thee? Hath not David rather sent his servants unto thee to search the city and to spy it out and to overthrow it? Wherefore Hanan took David's servants and shaved off the one half of their beards and cut off their garments in the middle, even to their buttocks, and sent them away. And so, you know, here his, you know, Hanan's, Hanan's uh, advisors were being thought police and suspicion David to be sending to spy out the land instead of sending to comfort him concerning his father's death. And we know what resulted was a war. War resulted from that. But God does, God does know our thoughts. And, and so he examines us. You know, Psalm 63, 6 says, When I remember thee upon my bed, and meditate on thee in the night watches. Uh, Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. And so, uh, you know, God does search our thoughts. And prayer requests that we examine our thoughts. You know, why do we ask for what we ask for? You know, James chapter 4, James says, you, you ask and have not because you ask amiss. You ask amiss. Now that word myth, amiss is translated six or sick seven times. And two times it's translated diseased. So a prayer that's at and the idea is you you pray for your or they are praying 
for their own interests. They don't have God's interest. It's praying for your own interest, and it is sick to God. It's a diseased prayer. It's not true worship of God. Look at Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1. And, and again, we see an example here of this, of a sick prayer or sick worship. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 10 says, Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. Sodom was destroyed back in Genesis chapter 18 or 19. Uh, so who is he referring to? You rulers of Sodom. Well, if you read the context, in verse 1 it says, The vision of Isaiah the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of, kings of Judah. So he's prophesying to Judah and Jerusalem. So when he says, ye rulers of Sodom, give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah, he's referring to Jerusalem and Judah. In fact, by the way, they're called that also in the book of Revelation. Um, i trying to remember what, I think it's Revelation chapter 11 refers to uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, and that is, reference is actually to Jerusalem. But anyway, uh, except the Lord of hosts, I'm sorry, hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom, give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah, to what purpose is this multitude of your sacrifices unto me, saith the Lord? I am full of the burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of he goats. When come ye to appear before me, who hath required this at your hand to tread my courts? Bring no more vain oblations. Now, let me stop and ask something. Were they supposed to bring and offer beasts? Were they supposed to offer lambs? Yeah, they were commanded to do that. But the problem here is, if we read on, they're doing it as a vain show. They're not truly worshiping the Lord. Bring no more vain oblations. Incense is an abomination unto me. These are all the things that God had commanded them to bring. But they're to bring them out of a true heart. Um. The new moons and the Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot away with. It is iniquity, even the solemn meeting, your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hateth. They are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. And when you spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash you, make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Seek to do evil. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless and plead for the widow. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. But if ye fuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with a sword. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. So it was all a pretense. It was all just to show. You know, it's like a lot of people, a lot of churches are going through what they call worship services. And it's just a show. It's just a formality. False religion is just a formality. And God says, it's sickening to me. You know, it's sickening to me. So, true prayer requires an examination 
of our motives, our thoughts. I want you to notice, the, first of all, the position of prayer. Secondly, the petition of prayer. Verses 4 and 5 says, Concerning the works of men, by the word of thy lips I have kept me from the paths of the destroyer. Hold up my goings and thy paths, that my footsteps slip not. Notice the things that he petitions the Lord for. He says, first of all, preserve me from the works of men. He asks the Lord to preserve him. The works of men has the idea of the pursuits or the ambitions or the desires or the ways of men, the ways of violence, wealth, power, possessions, pleasure, and I don't care who is harmed to get it. That's what the idea, the, the, the idea of the pursuits of men refers to. See, David, David was, yes, David was anointed a king, but he wasn't going to run over anybody just to make himself be king or to put himself in that place. He waited for the Lord to bring him to the actual place of being king. And the idea here is that David's saying, I have observed violent men so that I might avoid them. So that I might avoid them. It says, concerning, notice, concerning the works of men, by the word of thy lips, I have kept me from the paths of the destroyer. So he had, he had by the word of the Lord, he had observed violent men and he avoided them. You know, one of the one man that man that he observed who was violent was King Saul. King Saul turned on his own right hand man, and it, and it goes back to he thought, just thoughts, false thoughts, because of what things he heard people say. He thought David was trying to overthrow him, or. Considered him a threat to him. David had never done anything to really to to, to give him uh, to give evidence that he was threatening his kingdom. So David said, "I've observed the violent man." Proverbs chapter two and verse twenty. Uh, Proverbs two and verse twenty. <coughs> Excuse me. Same idea here. Uh, says that thou mayest walk in the way of good men and keep the paths of the righteous. And here he's talking about avoiding strange women, uh, from strange woman that flattereth with her words and 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 so on. And so he's, and he's warning him, uh, uh, and he says by observation to avoid. But the upright shall dwell in the land, verse 21, and the perfect shall remain in it. But the wicked shall be cut off from the earth, and the transgressors shall be rooted out of it. Notice what he says here in verse 18. For her house inclineth unto death, and her pass unto the dead. None that go unto her return again, neither take they hold of the pass of life. So he's saying, I've observed this. The Lord has allowed me to observe this and to avoid it. Avoid it. So he asks the Lord... He says, to, prove, to, to preserve me 
by the words of thy lips. Then also he seek the Lord's support or to be held up. The word support, if you notice in verse, uh, verse 5, he says, Hold up my goings and thy paths, that my footsteps slip not. So he seeks not only the Lord to preserve him, but also the Lord to support him or to hold him up or to sustain him or to maintain his cause. Remember in Exodus chapter 17, the Israelites, uh, Amalek, went out to fight with Amalek, and, and the Lord told Moses to hold up the rod, but his hands became weary. He needed support. So Aaron and Hur stood under his arms to hold up his arms until the finish of the battle. That's the idea of support. Our Lord needs to be our support to, to maintain our cause. In Psalm 41, and verse 12, he says, As for me, thou upholdest me in mine integrity, and settest me before thy face forever. Psalm 63, and verse 8. Psalm 63, and verse 8 says, My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. In Isaiah 41.10, he says, Fear thou not, I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Uh, Psalm 42, verse 1, Behold my servant whom I uphold. I uphold. In Psalm 16.5, he says, The Lord is a portion of my inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. Jabez in 1 Chronicles 4.10 said, And that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. You know, how does God keep us? How does he preserve us and support us? Is it not by his word? Notice again, he says in verse 4, By the word of thy lips I have kept me. The word of thy lips. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You know, if we want God to support us, to maintain us, you know, what is the key to keeping your car for a long time? Well, you keep changing the oil. New filters. You keep renewing it. Maintaining it. We call it maintenance. I say maintenance is 95% of it. You know, Ephesians 4, 21-24 talks about being renewed in the spirit day by day. Renewing the, your minds day by day. Uh, there has to be a continual renewing. We taught. And of course... You know, he teaches us through his word and through pastors and teachers and so on. Ephesians 4, 1 tells us. So, so we, need to, we need to seek the Lord's support. Then I want to notice a third thing here. Now we have the position of prayer, the petition of prayer. We have the protection of prayer. Um, verses 7 and 8 says, Show thy marvelous loving kindness, O thou that savest by thy right hand, them which put their trust in thee from those that rise up against them. Keep me as the apple of the eye. Hide me under the shadow of thy wings. 
Your prayer seeks protection from the enemy. O thou that savest me, that keeps me, that hides me. All words of protection. You know, we need, we need, we need protection. You know, there are many that would, that would undo us or that rise up against us. And he, he, he lists them here. There are those that are hostile to us. They rise up. <coughs> verse, verse, uh, verse 7 says, the last half of that verse, O thou that savest by the right hand them which put their trust in thee from those that rise up against them. The, word, the, the idea of, of the word rise up means those that are hostile, ready to fight, ready to harm. You know, Cain, in Genesis 4, 8, the Bible says, Cain talked with his brother, and it came to pass, and they were filled, that Cain rose up against Abel's brother and slew him. In Acts chapter 5, verse 17, you have, Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which is a sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation. You know, they rose up against the apostles. And they beat them. They rose up. You know, there, are those, there will be those that will rise up against us. And we need to ask the Lord to protect us. You know, we, in our country, we don't, we don't fear persecution like we do in many places. But it can intimidate us if we're not careful. We can allow it to intimidate us. You know, being a, make us afraid to talk to them again or talk to somebody else because of what they might say or how people might react. We need protection from oppression. Um, verse 9, from the wicked that oppress me, from the deadly enemies who compass me about. From oppression. You know, the enemy can weigh you down with things that are unimportant. Useless, which become a, which can become a bag of burdens, time wasters. Why were the first deacons appointed? So that the pastors weren't burdened down or spent all their time meeting the needs of the widows. So they give themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. From oppression. You know, the world has, the world can make us so busy that we don't have time for God. We need protection uh, from a well fortified enemy. Notice verses 12 through, or 10 through 12 says, They are enclosed in their own fat. With their mouth they speak proudly. They have now compassed us in our steps, they have set their eyes bowing down to the earth. Like as a lion that is greedy of his prey, and as it were a young lion lurking in secret places. The phrase there, enclosed in their own fat, it, it means unfeeling for others, full of themselves. They don't care about anyone else, they only care about me, myself, and I. And they have compassed us, it says, in our steps. In other words, they've examined and they've planned out how to defeat us. <laughs> you know, all you have to do is look, think about the Supreme Court nominee. That was a well-thought-out, planned scheme 
to destroy man. And Satan will do that to his, against God's people. It even describes him like a lion, bowing down like a lion. You know, like, you know how, you ever watch a cat that's about ready to get a mouse? And they move ever so slow. But all you see moving is maybe a twitch of a tail once in a while. They're, they're fully intent on their prey. You know what? We've, we've got an enemy that's fully intent on us to destroy us. But prayer moves God to disappoint the enemy. So think about when, and we need to pray that God to disappoint the enemy. Notice in verse 13 it says, Arise, O Lord, disappoint him. Cast him down. Deliver my soul from the wicked, which is thy sword. The word disappoint here means to prevent or to come before. And, of course, the words cast down means to cause to bow down. You know, the best illustration I can think of this is Saul hunting for David to kill him. And God, as it were, takes the sword out of Saul's hand. I mean, he had, he, had him all, he, had, he had him compassed about. And then he got word. That's all. I saw the Philistines of evading land. It's like God took the sword out of, right out of his hand. And even caused him to bow. David could have killed him, killed him. And then when David confronted him, you know, he's, he, he uh, bowed himself to David. And we need to pray. You know, th- this thought came to mind in Luke 22, 31 and 32, concerning Peter. It says, The Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. See, prayer... Moves God to disappoint the enemy. So we see the protection of prayer. And then I want you to notice the the fourth thing here and the final thing, the projection of prayer. Verse 15, as for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. Notice it says a, a likeness of God, not like God, but a likeness. You know, Satan said, I will be like the Most High. You know, I'm going to get worship just like, just like God does. I'm going to be just like God. It's not talking about being like God. It's to be in his likeness. You know, what does that mean? He said, I will behold thy face in righteousness. Well, God's works are righteous. In Psalm 33, verse 4, <clears throat> Psalm 33, verse 4, says, For the, Lord of the, wor- the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. Uh, Psalm 145, and verse 17 says, The Lord is righteous in all his ways, and holy in all his works. And so, 
if, if we want to be in the likeness of God, we should desire our works be righteous. You know, why did Cain kill Abel? First John chapter 3, verse 11, 12 tells us that Cain killed Abel because his works were righteous and his own were evil. See, Abel's, Cain couldn't get at God, but it got, he went after one who was the likeness of God. Righteous, whose works were righteous. You know, Romans six nineteen says that we should be this. We are to be yielded to God as servants to righteousness. And the psalmist said here, my projection is what I desire is that I would be in the likeness of God, righteous in works. We should pray that our works and seek that our works would be righteous. Like God, in the likeness of God. And so, a prayer that is heard. You know, if we want God to, to answer our prayers, if we want God to hear us, you know, we must be his child. We must pray in according to his will. And we need to seek his face, his protection, and realize that it all comes of him and desire to be in his likeness that our lives may glorify and honor him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time of your word tonight. Thank you for the encouragement that we find in it. I pray that you help us as your children to seek your likeness. That our prayers would be fervent, effective, effectual, pleasing unto thee. And we'll just thank you and praise you. We do pray in Jesus' name.